As our shepherd David Wicks led his prayer earlier, he spoke about the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And I thought about that great passage in Ephesians 6 that talks about the spiritual warfare that we're under and the weaponry that we have at our disposal. As David shared, not anything like weapons of war as man knows, but weapons of God. And the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is certainly one of those. Do you want to know an indication that we're in a spiritual battle? That Satan actually does try to defeat us in our purposes? Did you notice how cold it was this morning? Yeah, yeah, we change and start our worship assembly at 9 instead of 10. And Satan says, oh, I can take care of that. I can chase a lot of people off and make them stay home. I'll just make it 28 degrees. Sure, sure. Well, take a look around, Satan. You lost again. And that's not even counting all of our friends that are watching us online who continue to inspire us. A few weeks ago, we received a letter in the office with a check from a couple that watch us online and wanted to say thank you for that and and contribute to that. So a shout out uh, to them and to all of those who encourage us, knowing that there are so many out there um, that are watching and worshiping with us uh, today. And so many in this room and so many who will be in our Bible classes uh, in just a little bit. Last week we had uh, 380 something in our worship assembly and we had 8,616 in Bible class. It was incredible. (laughs) Okay, well maybe that's more of a preacher's count, but it was 329, which is amazing. Woohoo is right. That is a scriptural theological term in just that instance. And so thank you for doing that. If you didn't get to stay last week, stay today. Our Bible classes are great. There's information about them on the front page of your, of your bulletin. And, and uh, it, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it's an indication that we are growing, that we are growing not just numerically and not just in our uh, service, but that we are growing spiritually. And so this morning, we focus on that part of our 2020 vision and begin with this question, how has your spiritual growth been going? I could ask that a different way, Gary. I could ask, are you in the glory land way? Because that really truly is the question. I love that old hymn. Love that song so much. And that is the question. I'm in the way, the glory land way. Heaven is near and the way groweth clear because I'm in the glory land way. This morning we're asking ourselves the question, am I? Am I in the glory land way? Am I growing spiritually? And there's a great little summary statement of that at the end of the book of 2 Peter. The apostle Peter writes these words as he closes out what we call uh, his second letter. Therefore, dear friends, 2 Peter 3, verse 17, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You've heard me say in reference to this passage that There's an emphasis on two different areas of our lives, and the call is to be growing in both. 
the grace of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, his word and his will. And we'll focus on both of those this morning as we kind of flesh out these statements. But as I've said before, typically we grow more easily in one of those rather than the other. It may be knowledge, it may be the study of God's word, it may be doctrinal statements and things. That may be where we're especially interested in, where we especially focus our lives that gets most of our attention. But then we lack that compassion and love and mercy and grace that is so vital in Scripture. Or that may be something that we emphasize in our own lives. Being that loving, compassionate, merciful, gracious person. But we've lost touch with God and His Word. And we're not growing in our knowledge. And if we're not growing in our knowledge, then there's a good chance that we're not growing in our obedience. How can we obey what we do not know? Jesus doesn't let us off the hook. John reports in John 1 that he came full of grace and truth. Peter says in these words we just read that we are to grow in the same way, in grace and in truth, in the knowledge of Jesus and in the grace of Jesus. How has your spiritual growth been going? At the start of a new year, I think that's a great question to ask. And as we said before, as we said last week, look ahead to a year from now and where will you be and what will it take to get you there? What can you do differently little by little this year? So that at the end of this year, you will have looked at your life and you will have looked at this year and you will have said, I have grown spiritually. Maybe not a whole lot, but some. And I think that should be our goal. You are either growing or falling in your spiritual life. And that's why this is so important. There are times in our lives, I think, when we're hit so hard by Satan and life that the best we can do is keep our head above water. And I, and I understand that. As you heard me say a week or two ago, sometimes all we can do is just the next thing. And so don't think about all those things down the road, but think about that next thing and do that. And then think about the next thing after that. Because if you're not growing spiritually, then you're falling. And that's why this is so vital. That's why this is so important. Once we reach that stage where we're no longer growing in our spiritual life, then we're going backwards. How has your spiritual growth been going? Which is it for you, growing or falling? The great news of the gospel, the thing that we celebrated up here as Kelly led us in our communion time, is that because Jesus gave his, his life on that ultimate altar, the cross, and as he shed his blood and took it up with him to the ultimate throne of God, the ultimate holy of holies, and spread it out. He did that for our sins, not his. He had none. And so because of that, no matter where I've been over the last year or more, I can start fresh today. And maybe I haven't been growing. Maybe I have been falling down in my faith. Maybe I have become less gracious. Maybe I have become less knowledgeable of God and his word and his will. But that can change today. And God forgives and he gives us a clean slate. 
he allows us to go from now. And so even if we have not been growing spiritually, we can start today. So what does it mean to be growing spiritually? Well, Peter tells us in these short verses. First of all, if we are growing spiritually, we are growing in the knowledge of God and his word. These words in 2 Peter 3, let's go back a few verses to verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, this great view of Jesus' return that he has told us is definitely coming in the earlier part of this chapter, verse 14, So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So Paul and I actually do have some things in common. We say things that are hard to understand. Paul speaks about exactly what Peter had been speaking about, the patience of God, which he said is there because he loves us and he wants everyone to come to repentance. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to be with him for eternity. And that's exactly why he created us. Because that's his vision. That's his dream for us. That's his will. So how does that happen? Well, Peter tells us that it happens because we become aware more and more of his will and his word. He speaks of these great things and how we should live our lives and how we should study God's word and how even when it's hard to understand, we still work on it. Knowing, knowing that there are people out there who want to distort the word of God. There are people out there who don't believe that Jesus and his word is enough. And so they'll seek to adapt it or they'll seek to change it. They'll seek to give their own. And how do we battle against that? We battle against that by knowing what he has said and growing in that. And that's how he responds to that in verses 17 and 18. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. There have been those who have tried to distort God's word since long before Peter wrote these words 2,000 years ago almost. And there are certainly some that are around now. How do we face that? How do we not fall into that trap? By growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to know how to deal with false teachers? You study and you learn and you live that way. And so Peter says the way to respond to those who would be Seeking to carry us away with teaching that is not God's word is to grow in our grace and in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what he calls us to do. 
earlier in 2 Peter chapter 1, he had said, this is the inspired word of God. This is different from everything else. There are a lot of other things that are profitable and, and that are helpful and that we should become aware of. But they're not the inspired and authoritative word of God. Because Peter says, holy men of God spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And they gave us this inspired word. And it calls us to live according to that word, according to the will of God. How do we do that? Well, we do that by growing spiritually. By growing in God's grace and in his knowledge. And there's only one way to grow in the knowledge of God's word, and that is to study it, to to live our lives so that we can learn a little bit of it each week. Be in that word a little bit each day. The people that received the letter to the Hebrews were thinking about giving everything up. They had suffered so much simply because of Jesus. And now they were in danger of doing exactly what Peter warned against in 2 Peter 3, of falling from their secure position. That security came through Jesus, and it only comes through Jesus. As amazing as those sacrifices were that Kelly talked about, he was echoing the words of the, of the letter to the Hebrews, which say they could never take away sins. They were not enough. That's why they had to keep offering them. But Jesus died once for all. And those who received that great letter were thinking, this is more trouble than it's worth. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to the old law. I'm going to go back to something else that didn't give me as much physical and emotional difficulty as I'm experiencing now. And the writer of the book of Hebrews says, don't fall from your secure position. Because those laws, being justified by keeping laws, you'll never be secure that way. But you can be secure if you're trusting in the sacrifice of Christ. In that book of Hebrews, the writer talks about spiritual growth at the end of chapter 5. Beginning in verse 11, he says, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, verse 14, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And then he goes on in chapter 6 and says some more, Therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Where's your spiritual growth at today? Milk? Maybe a little bit of solid food. Maybe some meat. How long have you been a Christian? How long have you been aware of this message? How long have you had the opportunity to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You've heard me make the quote that someone once said that some people haven't been a Christian for 50 years. They've been a Christian for a year, 50 times. And that's a sad commentary on someone who has not grown spiritually. 
who has not grown in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How does that happen? It doesn't just happen. It takes effort. It takes some sacrifice. You give up some things so that you can be more aware and knowledgeable of God's word and what it calls you to be and what it calls you to do. Why is this so important? Because we are involved in a spiritual war. There are things in this world that try to take us away and turn us away from our secure position in Jesus Christ. If we are growing spiritually, we are growing in the knowledge of God and his word. And so Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, and warns him about those things and calls on him to preach the inspired and authoritative word. How has your spiritual growth been going? In that great passage in 2 Peter 3, he not only speaks of the knowledge of God and his word, If we are growing spiritually, we are growing in the grace of Jesus. Let me tell you, if you're growing in knowledge and you're not growing in grace, that that's not enough. How do you know that, Bill? Because Jesus said we are to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus came full of grace and truth, not just truth and not just grace. Peter tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not just knowledge, not just grace. If we are growing spiritually, we are growing in the grace of Jesus Christ. And so we turn to that great passage in Ephesians chapter 2 that speaks specifically of the grace of Jesus Christ and why it's so important and how full and complete it is. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, he's not talking about somebody else. He's talking about you. And he's talking about me. And we won't be ready to hear what he says starting in verse 4 until we get that. And we certainly won't be able to do what he calls us to do in verse 10 until we acknowledge that, until we recognize that and realize that. And thank God that in spite of verses 1 through 3, there are verses 4 through 9. But... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It is by grace you have been saved. Yes, you responded in faith. Yes, that was an essential part of your salvation. No, you cannot take credit for even that. Because without the grace of God, it would have been meaningless. We remember where we were in verses 1 through 3, and now God has come. God has acted when we couldn't act on our own, 
And he gave his one and only son on the cross for our sins. And his blood was shed. And our debt was paid. And now we respond in faith to that great act that brings salvation. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. That response of faith includes believing in him and trusting in him. It means repenting of our sins, confessing that we are a sinner and that we trust in Jesus and that we believe he is the son of God. And it means being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of our sins so that we may receive that gift of the Holy Spirit as Acts 2. It means being buried with Christ through baptism into death and being raised with him to walk in a new life, as Paul tells the Romans in chapter 6. He reminds the Christians of that incident, and he reminds them of their sinfulness and how only the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ could have made an impact on their lives, could have put them on a different path. And I believe he says everything that he says in those first nine verses in order to say this. In verse 10, you see, this is not just a great passage that explains how we're saved. (laughs) That's not his purpose. His purpose is to say it doesn't stop with your salvation. Verse 10 of Ephesians 2, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The way Titus uh, 3 puts it in a very similar passage in verse 8 is devote yourself to doing what is good so that you'll be saved and forgiven. No, because you already are. Because you were dead in your sins and God made you alive through Jesus Christ and now you've been raised to live that new life. And what does that mean? It means you are God's handiwork. You are God's creation and you've been created in him for a purpose and that purpose is to grow in his grace. To devote yourself to doing good, Titus 3 verse 8. To do good works, Ephesians 2 verse 10. What does that mean? That means exactly what Peter talked about. To grow in not just the knowledge of Jesus, but in his grace as well. Why do we do that? Because we have experienced it. And if we're not growing in his grace, I'm afraid that I know the reason. It's because we have not come face to face with our own sinfulness. If we're not willing to extend the grace that others need, it's because we have forgotten how desperately we need that same grace ourselves. Jesus calls us to trust in him, knowing that we have no hope if we are trusting in ourselves on either side of baptism. We are trusting in Jesus Christ every bit as much as we do these good deeds as we were when we confessed his name and repented of our sins and was buried with him through baptism into death. If we are growing spiritually, we are growing in the grace of God. Paul speaks of that in a church way to the Romans and to the Corinthians and we'll say more about that next week as we focus on that part of our 2020 vision that calls us to grow not just spiritually but what that means is that we're growing in our love for each other and in our unity with one another 
If we are growing spiritually, we are growing in the knowledge of God and his word. If we are growing spiritually, we are growing in the grace of Jesus Christ. And so to grow spiritually, you must look up to become more like Christ. To be growing spiritually. That's what our 2020 vision says. We look up. We look up to Jesus Christ in order that we might grow spiritually in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter tells us that in 2 Peter 3. Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians 3. At the end of that great chapter, he makes this statement in verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, looking up. We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. We look up and grow spiritually. How do we do that? By concentrating and focusing and watching and fixing our eyes upon Jesus Christ, our Savior, as Hebrews 12 calls us to do. We connect with Jesus. He is the one who gives life to us who are the branches because he is the true vine, John 15 says. Just as our PowerPoint has displayed, a plant needs to grow. And to grow, it's got to be connected to life. And that life is in the vine. And Jesus is the vine. To grow spiritually, you must look up to become more like Christ. The fact that I will never be Jesus is no reason for me to stop growing spiritually and becoming more like him. Let me repeat that. The fact that I will never be Jesus is no reason for me to stop growing spiritually and becoming more like him. Just because you might be sitting there thinking, Bill, I can never be like Jesus. I can never be that faithful. I can never be that forgiving. I can never be that sinless. My response is, you're right. He hasn't called you to do that. But he has called you to grow and to watch him and to focus on him and to look up to him so that little by little, every day, every week, every month, every year, you are becoming just a little bit more like him. You're knowing more about his word and his will. And you're realizing that a very important part of that will is for you to be gracious and kind and loving to others. You're growing in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So a few things before we close. If you are growing spiritually, then first of all, you know more. You know more. You say, well, Bill, I, I don't know as much as a lot of other people that have been a Christian as long as I have. I don't care. That's fine. Do you know more than you did last year, five years ago, when you were baptized? That's, that's all that matters. If you're growing spiritually, then you know more. You're growing in the knowledge of Christ. If you're growing spiritually, then you do more. You do more. You may not do as much as others do, and that's okay. But you're doing more because you're growing. If you're growing spiritually, then you know more and you do more. And this last one is real high theology. You act better. <laughs> you act better. Whatever that means. Because if you're growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, you're acting better than you used to. 
If you're trusting in Jesus, if you've been created for God to do good works, you're doing better works than you used to do. Less selfishly than you used to live. More hopeful, more joyful, more aware of your own sin and your own salvation, more willing to give that same grace that you've received to others. Next week, we'll look at reaching in, growing in our love and unity with one another, and then growing out, spreading the gospel, growing numerically, enlarging the kingdom. This is the Gloryland way. If you're growing spiritually, then you know more, and you do more, and you act better. I can't guarantee that people are going to like you anymore. I can tell you I probably will. But I can tell you that you'll be on the right track. And that you're not going to be perfect. But you're going to be on the right track. And Jesus is going to be with you every single step of the way. And so will we. So will we. This morning, if you need help growing spiritually, come as we stand. Sing our song together.